Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kitty. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey folks, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us for another fun-filled episode, yes, of The Brian Nichols Show. I am your humble host for the next 40 minutes or so, and today we are joined by J.W. Weatherman from MathBot.com. Now, for those of you who are like me, I hated, loathed, just it was excruciatingly painful, math. Back in high school, um, sitting there trying to do you know, various trigonometry problems, I just, I, I honestly felt like I was, you know, just smashing my head against the wall because it just didn't make sense. Well, that's where J.W. Weatherman comes into play here. Uh, he created MathBot.com to make people like me, like you, uh, pretty much anybody, be able to uh, not only learn math but have fun doing it because you're actually solving math problems and solving puzzles in an informing and engaging way. So uh, with that. On to the show, J.W. Weatherman from MathBot.com here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I've been Ab- looking forward to talking with you. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who are who are unaware, J.W. is the uh, the founder, creator, mastermind behind MathBot.com, which essentially is um, an uh, online means to help kids and adults alike learn math. And hey, you're on my show to talk about your products. I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let you do it. So, J.W., First and foremost, introduce yourself to my audience, and then let's kind of discuss MathBot.com and uh, how you're, you're, you made this into your brainchild. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, I'm a big fan of the show. I, I listened to the episode uh, a couple days ago talking about uh, solutions to things, among other things, education, and uh, it was a good conversation. So uh, I'm really glad to be able to chat with you. Good old Kevin Wormold um, there from uh, Nassau County. Yes, it was a fun episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So mathbot.com is uh, my project. Um, there's obviously a bunch of other folks involved with it. It's a it's a pretty big endeavor. Um, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to separate uh, school and state. That's probably the best way to describe it. Um, we think that what's going on with math education in particular, but education in general, not just with the public schools, but also with the government regulated private schools is just a complete disaster. And instead of trying to use politics uh, to solve this problem, um, we're a bunch of cypherpunks. And we think the way to go is just to build tools that change the game, right? So instead of lobbying the government to change the rules around taxis, 
uh, we'd be the kind of guys that are creating Uber and uh, just changing the the battlefield altogether. That rather than try to get permission from uh, from the gangsters to uh, to do the right thing. So that's that's the basic idea behind it. I mean, ultimately, what it is is it's a game. You go out to mathbot.com, you hit play, and uh, it's very simple puzzles and problem solving. Um, and you learn programming and some pretty advanced mathematics along the way. <laughs> so I gotta be honest with you. As someone who I struggled in just absolutely horrible experience in in high school math, you know, trigonometry was my my greatest downfall. Actually, it was the worst grade I received on the New York State Regents exam in New York. And um, I always looked at the the higher level math as something that is just, you know, it's awful. It's terrible. I don't want to even be near it. Let the the smarter people of math take care of that. And I'll do PR marketing and sales. Um, So for someone like me, what's different with mathbot.com versus sitting in a classroom with Mrs. Bush learning about, you know, proofs and, and all that garbage that I definitely forgot like 10 years ago. Yeah. So the, the, the best way to understand the difference is that mathbot.com is math and programming. And when you were in school, you didn't actually get exposed to math. And one of the ways that you can realize that you weren't actually doing math is just by thinking about what math is. Math is logical problem solving using symbols. That's all that it is. So it's, it's basically solving puzzles. So if you never felt like you were solving a puzzle, which you probably never did have the opportunity to solve a puzzle, you were never doing math. Um, everybody from Alexander the Great to Albert Einstein learned math using a really fun book called Euclid's Elements. Um, you know, Greek mathematician Euclid put this together. It evolved over time. But the very first thing that you do in Euclid's Elements is you're given the ability to draw a circle and draw a straight line. And you have to figure out how to make an equilateral triangle. That's a puzzle. It's interesting. You're not sure how exactly you do it. And you kind of work the problem over. You know, you draw some circles, you draw some lines, and maybe you're going to need a hint, right? Maybe you're going to discover, you know, that you have to have the radiuses of these two circles overlap in just the right way in order to end up drawing a, a triangle with, that has three equal sides. But there is a problem, right? It's interesting and it's a puzzle. That's mathematics. What you experienced in school and what I experienced in school is filling out forms for the DMV. You're given the solution, <laughs> you're given a process and a procedure to go through, and then you're asked to follow that process and procedure like a computer, um, which ironically, that's why we have computers. We write programs, we write mathematics, and then we have a dumb piece of hardware, repeat it uh, you know, thousands of times for us. What you were treated like was a computer where you were told, this is the procedure that you will go through. It doesn't matter if you understand how, why, what, um, you didn't come up with the procedure. Uh, and you know, you'll notice that when you solve puzzles, you're coming up with the process, right? You're discovering a solution to the problem, but you didn't do that. What you did is you were told, draw this number, draw that number, scratch through that number, draw a little one on the top in this circumstance. It's all about uh, mechanical uh, and and completely mindless, really, obeying <laughs> of process and procedure. So the good news is that you are not bad at math. Uh, you just didn't do math. And they told you it was math and it wasn't. See, it was really up upsetting for me because I wanted to like math. So uh, I'm a little bit of an enigma as a person myself. So I am, I was always very into education, but I was very well-rounded in terms of, you know, I was, a, I was an athlete. I loved music. So I actually would take classes like music theory 
And I'll give you the example of music theory is that one of the things in music theory that I love, <clears throat> excuse me, that I love so much was that you literally like dove into pieces of music and you would really like you're kind of explaining that the puzzle piece, you would put the puzzle together. What was the composer thinking when they were designing? Literally, it's designing the, the music, the score that you're listening to. And, and you go through, you know, the, the different, uh, the, the, the root note and you go through the different chord progressions and you find, you know, where they had the augmentation to create a different sound. And then, you know, the, uh, where the bridge was and why the bridge was in such a manner. And, you know, without boring the audience, that's something I always love because being someone who's very musical to be able to actually break it down piece by piece and say, this is what the musician was doing when they were writing this, this piece was very enlightening and very fascinating to me. And then, you know, I was in college, I was really into economics and I took uh, game theory. Now, game theory requires high-level calculus, of which I knew zero. So I'm in game theory, and I actually, I was so bad at the calculus, but I knew what we were trying to do. I actually wrote in my paper once to my professor. I was like, I know what we're trying to do, and I know the value of what we're doing in this equation. The problem is I don't know how to solve it. And God bless him, he gave me half credit because he's like, well, Brian understood what he was trying to do, blah, blah, blah. But I always kind of felt like I didn't get the whole experience because I didn't know the back end. So to see that you're actually creating a, a tool that people, not only of younger persuasion, but also those older seasoned folks like myself, um, who can actually go out of the way and try to relearn this stuff in a way that makes sense. It's very exciting. It's very refreshing for me to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, calculus is amazing. Higher level math is amazing. But one of the things that uh, is not explained well, and you don't, you can't, you need to experience it is that mathematics is just layers of abstractions. And there's never a layer of abstraction that's more difficult than any other layer. So something like calculus seems really complicated, but that's because each one of the symbols or each one of the concepts has uh, probably a dozen or more concepts that are layered on it. But if you, if you, if you added those layers when you learned them, um, like you should, where you discover the solution to this problem and then this problem, at the end of Euclid's elements, for example, you're working with the Pythagorean theorem. And you're not working with the Pythagorean theorem in uh, the way that you and I were taught, where it's just like, this is the stupid formula monkey, put in the numbers, a squared plus b squared equals c squared, enter, 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 result. You're working with it in a way like a carpenter works with a hammer, right? Like you've, you've, and, and a hammer that you've built, right, from the ground up. Right. So you know it, you feel it, it's very intuitive. And one of the things that happens when you're not taught math properly is that you end up in a place where you're looking at something and it's just, it's, it's like a foreign language because you don't know the meaning of the individual words. And it's very discouraging when everybody else speaks the language and they understand what those symbols mean. <laughs> so if, if, uh, if you go back now and you start with, uh, with somebody that actually knows how to teach math. And unfortunately, like a lot of things, you know, it's hard to find a good doctor when the state is monopolizing medicine. It's also hard to find a good math teacher. But something like MathBot uh, is, uh, is a great way for you to get back into it and realize that, you know what, it's not that complicated. So if you learn math properly, it's just, um, it's just a bunch of puzzles that you've built and discovered along the way layered on top of them, uh, on top of each other. And if you, if you've done it properly, 
then you know the language. If you haven't, then it's very intimidating and very discouraging because each one of the symbols that you're trying to work with represents hours and hours of work. And you know you can't do it at the time, so you just you know that you're really, really far behind. And it is like everybody else speaks the language and, the, and you don't. Um, but that can be corrected, and that just requires that you go back and really you have to just kind of start from scratch and work your way back up. Um, but that shouldn't be that big of a deal because it's just problem solving. It's just puzzles. It's fun. Um, one of the things that, uh, really infuriates me is this myth that, uh, that everybody has bought into that there's certain people that are good at math or there's certain people that enjoy math and there's other people that don't. If you don't enjoy logic and problem solving, you're just subhuman. You, you don't have the thing that actually makes humanity kind of interesting and powerful. And that doesn't apply to almost everybody out there. Now, there's people with learning disabilities and things like that. And I don't mean to, to, you know, discourage people that are struggling with that sort of stuff. But the reality is almost everybody that says that they're, they're bad at math, uh, they're, they're great at math. They've just never actually experienced math. You know, they'll say mm-hmm. they're bad at math, but they're really into Sudoku, right? <laughs> or <laughs> really into crossword puzzles. And a lot of those problems and puzzles are more difficult um, especially if you have the English language involved than anything in mathematics, because math is very, very systematic and very, very simple. It's just layers and layers and layers of very simple things that can become really impressive and complex. So I'll, I'll give you an example. The very first level in MathBot, this is a, this is a math problem. And when you get to about level 50, you're already programming recursive functions, which is something that uh, professional software developers, they can struggle with, even though they've done this for a while. So you're, you're going to be doing some pretty advanced mathematics pretty quick. But one of the first problems that you're given in MathBot is you have a robot and you want him to walk across the screen. There's a little bit of a maze you have to get him through. And in order to get through this maze, he has to be able to turn left. Um, but the only commands that you have are walk forward and turn right. So can you think of how you would solve that? So I'm assuming you'd have him walk forward and then walk right a few times and then it'd end up him turning left? Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you actually Take that, Miss Bush. I, I did math. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> I mean, so that might sound trivial, but what you did there is you were presented with a problem and you had very simple building blocks and you put them together in an interesting way to create a new building block. That's what programming and mathematics is all about. You just created a new function called left by using three right turns. That is, um, that, that's simple, but it, it shows you that you've created another layer of abstraction. So now in, you know, 14, 15 levels later, when you need to turn left, you, you just turn left, but you have an intuitive understanding of what the robot's going to do because you created that turn left function. Now that's only one layer. But if you layer that up 50 or 100 times, you, you end up with stuff that's insanely powerful. But every single layer is no more complicated than that. And if it ever is more complicated than that, it's because you have a bad math teacher, not because you're dumb. <laughs> I'm smiling because now I can look back at my parents and see, see, I told you it's because I had a bad math teacher. But regardless, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating for me because uh, one of my really good friends, he is a, a math whiz. Like I've always been incredibly impressed at his ability to just tackle any mathematical problem. Um, he was actually going to be a math teacher for a while. And then he realized, I, I say he realized, I think we all realized that he's too smart to be a math teacher. And uh, now he's working for the government, basically doing like he takes um, pictures 
and there's part of pictures that are missing, and he he literally writes math equations to fix the picture, which, when he was explained to me, I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but okay, this sounds fascinating, I just can't grasp it. Um, so it sounds like you're essentially helping bridge the gap, because he he got it, like, he got the, the problem-solving excitement, knowing that, you know, you're you're solving this this problem, and you're using math, I guess... For myself, and I, I dare say millions of other people out there, we just look at that and we're like, how the hell can you use math to solve a picture missing? Or to, I guess, then translate into learning to program or learning to code. Like, how does that correlate? And, and for me, it just seems so alien. I, I have, like, physical problem trying to make my brain comprehend that you can actually do that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that is that is because you were inoculated to these concepts, not because uh, you're actually bad at it. In fact, one of the problems that we have in the United States right now is that about one in 10, and I think this is on the low side, this is like according to the New York Times, and uh, I don't trust those guys much, but when they give you bad news, it's probably on the low side. Um, about one in 10 kids in the United States are right now on speed. They call it Adderall, but it, it is essentially speed. And uh, that is chemically lobotomizing kids, like really young kids, like five, six, seven-year-old kids are being given this drug on a daily basis. And we're talking about one out of 10 kids, right? One out of 10 kids, maybe closer to two out of 10 kids uh, are being given this drug because they can't concentrate, they can't stay still, whatever. And math is actually kind of the main excuse that that educators use and give to parents um look if he doesn't learn math he'll never be able to be successful in life so let's let's give him some drugs so he can sit here and focus um the reality is that if math is just puzzles and problem solving you wouldn't expect those kids to struggle as much right but if it's filling out forms for the dmv and you've got a six-year-old kid that's full of energy then then maybe we do need to uh, just zonk them out so that they can just put up with this this inane nonsense. So there's this weird thing where a lot of times the smarter kids are the ones that are actually worse at math because they're more rebellious, they're more strong-willed, and they're less willing to be sort of pliable and do things that they think are stupid. The, the funny thing is that a lot of times the kids that are just kind of more um, more passive that will go along with the the flow of things they eventually start to connect the dots right so they'll they'll fill out the forms for the DMV and they'll just happily comply but at a certain point they actually start realizing wow there is actually really interesting things happening here and then that builds momentum and they go on to do great things and we think oh these guys are brilliant well, in reality, they just didn't have a lot of energy, right? A lot of times they weren't the brightest kids in the room. Uh, the brightest kids in the room are the ones that are getting diagnosed with uh, ADHD or uh, what is it now? You're on the spectrum. So you've got like some version of Asperger's or autism, which is kind of convenient because, you know, we also have this association with people with being having Asperger's, you know, being really smart. They just they just can't get any work done or whatever. Um, so that that's pretty convenient. But we've seen a lot of, we've had almost 10,000 kids sign up on MathBot. And I have had more than one. In fact, I was just doing a podcast the other day. And the co-host said he had his daughter, seven-year-old girl, really young girl, diagnosed with, uh, with Asperger's. And one of the main reasons was that she wasn't able to do math. And so they were, they were, they were really nervous about it. And before we came on the podcast, cause he had, 
uh, he'd heard about MathBot, I think from the Tom Woods show and had his daughter start playing with it. He's got a nine year old that is doing just fine in school. She's, she's killing it. She's getting great grades and all that sort of stuff. He's got a seven year old that supposedly has Asperger's and they're, they're struggling to figure out medication or whatever. He puts them both in front of MathBot and sure enough, the seven year old is making the nine year old feel bad. Because the seven-year-old is like, oh, this is interesting. I get it. It's purposeful. And she's tearing it up and she's programming stuff that the, that he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how to program recursive functions right now. But she does because she's played the game and she she enjoyed it. Um, so there's there's a, there's a lot of complicated things going on here. But, um, but at the end of the day, what's great is that this is not one of those libertarian problems where we have to try to, you know, oh, what are we going to do? How do we get enough people to support us and want us to have gun rights? Or how do we get enough people to sign off on reducing the size of government when it's an all in their financial interest to, you know, right. continue? to increase the size of government. This is one of those problems where we can build software. We can just completely make the public schools and the private schools uh, pointless and unnecessary when it comes to math education. And that just, you know, figuratively takes the gun out of their hand, right? If, if a kid is just tearing it up and doing great and learning really complicated topics that even their, their teachers don't totally understand, um, it's going to be a whole lot harder to uh, justify medicating these little guys. Ain't that the truth? Well, one question I did have, because um, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. I just like to know kind of what was the tipping point for you to say, like, you know, damn it, like we need to have this alternative to the the, the public education system that is teaching kids math uh, the incorrect way or not even teaching them math, just having them, like you said, fill out the forms of the DMV. So what was the real like aha moment in, in your creating mathbot.com? Yeah, it was actually my son. This was uh three or four years ago now. And I, I went through a few different iterations before I ended up actually writing software. But my son is homeschooled. He was about 10 years old. And uh, we were really enjoying Khan Academy. Um, I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time on this. I've, I've been doing software startups and working in software security and technology. But I really never gave this a whole lot of thought. I had, I had taught at the university level and done some other stuff. But I never really spent a lot of time thinking about the early stages of learning math. I was one of those kids that loved math, um, that just maybe I was compliant <laughs> and I just pushed through. <laughs> or maybe, you know, maybe my parents were uh, super into it or whatever. But for whatever reason, I was able to push through until I hit geometry. And then when I hit geometry, I actually fell in love with math and, and could see how things fit together. Um, but my son, uh, about four years ago, he was 10, we were using um, Khan Academy and it was okay. It was good enough to where I didn't really think there was a big problem. My wife really loves math. And so things were going, you know, mediocre in hindsight, but good enough. Um, and then Common Core came out and Common Core is mind boggling because um, it's basically this really insane uh way to do math. <laughs> so it's not math. Like we didn't learn math, but what we learned was at least logical, right? Like we were given a form to fill out for the DMV. It was boring. It was inane. We did it a hundred times. And then we just hated math because we thought we did math. What they've done now is they've basically taken that form and they've made it a logical. So not only is it not math, but it's, uh, it's just a mind numbing, stupid process and procedure, which is really just about as evil as you could get. I mean, if, if our generation hated math, um, the, the, the kids that are coming up under common core are going to hate it, uh, hate it even more. But when that rolled out, um, because Khan Academy was trying to engage the school system, 
they they went uh, you know full Common Core and just completely blew up all of the things that were you know decent about the website. Um, and my wife was struggling with that. And then we went out to dinner and she explained what was going on. And she also she gave me an example. Um, and I still remember just, uh, just really, I mean, I'm in a nice restaurant with my wife. It was actually our anniversary. And, uh, I was just infuriated. We were both just completely outraged. Um, and so he, here's, here's an example of a common core math problem. Um, so let's say that you're going to add eight plus five. The way that we would have done that is we would have said we, we either would have had it memorized, right? Because we did like counting songs or something, adding mm-hmm. songs that we would have went, ah, eight plus five is 13. Okay, fine. Or we might have done some kind of a hack where we, we say, all right, uh, in our heads, we chop two off of the five and make it 10 and then add the three, you know, something like that. Right. Um, but it doesn't really matter how we went about doing it, right? At the end of the day, we would have written eight, we would have written five, drawn a line of plus, and then we would have written 13 down at the bottom, right? Simple. Um, we may have thought about it differently, but that's what we would have done. So this is how Common Core, and th- this is what my wife explained to me. Um, I think it was actually this example. And uh, this was the tipping point for me. So imagine sitting down with a seven-year-old kid. Um, and by the way, the seven-year-old kid has about four and a half minutes of attention span <laughs> before he's going to start hating life. Sounds and like hating me, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, little kids, they're, they're full of energy. They're, they're like puppies, right? Would you take a puppy (laughs) and put it in a cubicle? It's, it's psychotic. But so imagine, you know, you've got this little high energy kid and you say, okay, we're going to add eight plus five now. So the way that you do that is first you say eight plus what is 10? Why Uh, why 10? Because 10 is, 10 is the magic number according to common core. So eight plus one is 10. Uh, or eight plus what is 10? Right. And the answer is two. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's a weird thing to do right now. That's not really the problem that we're working on. Right. But now we know that eight plus two is 10. So we have two in our head. Now, two plus what is five? And remember, we're just trying to do eight plus five. So two plus right. what is five? Well, three, two plus three is five. Okay. So now we get to write out eight plus two plus three equals 13. Now, that could have been an interesting hack in some kid's head, right? Like uh, take eight, steal a couple numbers from five, make it 10. You know, like I described before, you, you know, you have 10 plus three. Maybe that's an easier thing to do. But that process that we just went through was completely irrational. It was completely illogical. Yeah, right? it doesn't to make any force sense at all. Kid, no, no, it doesn't. And actually, I think that at this point, I think it's actually designed to do that. I think we've reached the point in uh, government education um, where they're going to continue to make the problem worse. We can see this in the, the, the test scores, right? The test scores get worse every year. They keep adjusting SAT scores so that, you know, if you got a 1200 uh, 20 years ago, um, you're going to get a much higher score today. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. just cooking the books, right? So it doesn't look like they're quite as bad at teaching things like math and science as they are. Um, and they're spending more money every single year, right? So it's, it's a typical sort of government formula. But when you're talking about little kids and just breaking their minds, right? Just, just, um, it, it really makes me think of like 1984 where Winston says, you know, freedom is the power to, or is the freedom to believe one plus one equals two. Uh, if that's granted, then everything else follows. Uh, it's not an exact quote. Um, 
But it, it's it's like they really are trying to prevent kids from even being able to do simple logic and problem solving by making them do things that are just uh, just really mind numbing. Um, so if medication isn't enough, now we've got this this crazy process. So right. when my wife explained that to me, it was like looking into the heart of the devil, <laughs> and I got really <laughs> motivated to uh, try to build the solution. It it's man, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around Common Core because. It was it was promoted and argued for as you know this this solution that was created by all these teachers because this is what's been proven to work, and it seems like many if not most uh, states have adopted Common Core as the means that they're going to teach mathematics, and I mean just you and I talking it we, we I think anybody listening can agree it just doesn't make sense like there there is no logical progression as to to get thirteen from eight plus five by doing eight plus two plus three in this you know magical world where 10 is the number you need to use as like the magic number to get to where you have to get to like me just even explaining it doesn't feel right because it's not so i mean i don't mean to make you put on a tinfoil hat but like do you think it's malicious like the fact that they would promote something like this that is so obviously illogical and wrong well, let me let me add to your uh, let me add to your conspiracy theory a couple of really disturbing facts about Common Core. Uh, one is that it was rolled out nationally within like 24 months of it first being conceived. From the first time that they said we want to do this, it was a nationwide program that hit almost every school in the country within 24 months. That's impressive. They don't do anything within 24 months, and they never did a pilot program. So when you say that they um, they got together all these great teachers and they put this program together because it works. The truth is they have no idea if it works. They never ran this experiment on 50 or 100 or even 1,000 kids and said, we're going to teach math this new and different way that's totally novel, right? And if not, if not being negative, right? But it's novel. It's never been tried before. This is very odd, right? Certainly adding the way that I just described adding eight plus five is very odd and novel. They never did a pilot to see if it actually works. So when they rolled it out full bore across the entire country, they did that without any reason to believe any logical, you know, evidence-based reason to believe it was going to be effective. Um, so no, I, I, uh, I, I do at times wonder if it is some kind of grand conspiracy or if it's just, you know, the invisible hand of corruption, uh, just the natural order of things when you have teachers unions and a lot of, you know, really corrupted incentives lining up to just make the problem worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, like when I hold an iPhone, I can be pretty confident that that's the best computer that we can build right now. When I look at Common Core, I have the same feeling that this is absolutely the worst way to teach math that anybody has conceived of right now. Like it has gone through iterations, it's evolved over generations, and it hasn't been evolving uh, as a good, it's been evolving as a bad. Um, and I, I, you know, I really pity any kids right now that are having to, uh, to be subjected to it because it's not, um, it's not fun. It's really painful. And math is fun, right? Math is puzzles. Like as humans, we are hardwired to enjoy puzzles. Um, in fact, we get a chemical hit when we solve a puzzle. Like puzzle solving is addictive, but it's addictive in a good way, right? Addiction, like drug addiction is bad because it hijacks the way that our brain was designed to do good things and encourage us to, to do bad things, right? Um, but 
the fact that our brains are designed to reward us chemically when we do good things, when we see a problem, we work on it hard and we solve it, we actually get a hit of a, 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 a chemical reward, right? Um, so the idea that, uh, that we don't enjoy math, just it, it's completely inconceivable. Um, but if you think about that and then you think about the evil of how would I, how would I take somebody that's hardwired to enjoy math hardwired to enjoy problem solving and make them hate math and problem solving. It's impossible other than brain surgery, unless I just trick you and tell you that you're doing math, but you're not. So instead of giving you a problem, a puzzle, something to explore and enjoy and solve, I give you a process and a procedure and I tell you that that's math. It's, uh, if it's not, uh, if it's not some, you know, somebody in a back room just trying to come up with the most evil thing possible, the result is the same. I mean, it, it's just, it's staggering. Hmm. Well, sir, we are getting to the point of the show where I like to get things wrapped up because, uh, my goodness, I look at the clock and we're already at the, uh, the half an hour mark. So uh, with that, I, I want to, uh, leave you with the platform here at the end of the show to, uh, call, give my audience a call to action. So obviously mathbot.com, it's pretty self-explanatory. You can find that. Um, but where can folks go ahead and find you on social media um, so they can go ahead and not only support your venture, but also try and share the message, number one. But number two, beyond just having their kids use MathBot or just themselves using MathBot, how else can my audience uh, help support MathBot.com? Yeah, I mean, the the, the best possible thing um, is to just help get the word out uh, because we are we're fighting against a very entrenched and corrupt system and it's doing a lot of damage to kids and uh we we're we're a small team that's really focused on building the tools and the technology um advertising marketing you know pr is definitely not our bag so anything that you guys can do to let your neighbors know that this thing exists especially little kid little kids or you know if somebody's thinking about changing careers they want to go into programming this is absolutely the right first stop go through all the levels of mathbot you'll be dealing with some really difficult concepts and you'll you'll transition into you know another programming language or whatever much smoother so so um, that's really the best thing that people can do to help us out. Um, and then also, of course, tell us tell us if it's working or not. So you can find me on Twitter at JWWeatherman um, underscore. And uh, if you play MathBot, you get stuck or you have a kid that plays MathBot or you recommend it to somebody and you get any feedback, especially negative feedback, um, I am all ears for it. And, uh, that stuff is, is solid gold. This is a really long-term mission for us. We're going to be doing this still in another five years. We're going to be moving pixels around the screen, trying to get it just right. So, um, yeah, hit me up and, uh, any feedback is, is greatly appreciated. Well, man, I mean, you're doing what we have to do as libertarians. And that's, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show when I had Kevin Warmhold in my show, uh, it's libertarian solutions to, to state problems. I mean, this is one of the main issues that we're having problems with, and that's education. And to be quite frankly, there really hasn't been a true free market solution to this problem because the, the state has a monopoly on providing education, more or less. Um, so to see you promoting something like MathBot uh, that really will help kids really learn, but also enjoy math, it's exciting for me because I know if I had MathBot when I was younger, I would have grown up looking at math in a completely different way. So what you're doing is, again, putting your money where your mouth is as a libertarian. And I think you're going to find that you're going to be touching thousands and thousands of people's lives and helping them make math enjoyable, which to me, that's a really good win for uh, for liberty, but also for our overall knowledge and intellect as a uh, as a society. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm more confident that there are going to be somebody that learns programming, that learns math through MathBot, that ends up, you know, discovering a solution to a problem that I have in my old age than anything else. So, um, you know, (laughs) if if you're if you're a little guy out there, you know, cure cancer before I get it. Uh, I know you're not going to do it uh, if you're just stuck in public school. So uh, hopefully you can get homeschooled and MathBot can be part of that and uh, you can you can make the world a better place. Oh, man, making the world a better place for sure. Well, listen, J.W. Weatherman, thank you so much, sir, for joining me today on The Brian Nichols Show. And folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, please go out of your way and share with family and friends. And as always, follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B. Nichols Liberty. Also, my Patreon is how we keep The Brian Nichols Show running. Uh, it's also B. Nichols Liberty. Or if you're looking to make that one-time PayPal donation, I totally get it. Go ahead. You can make that PayPal donation at the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. Uh, But folks, thank you again for joining us today on The Brian Nichols Show. Signing off for J.W. Weatherman of MathBot.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com.